the Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book, and you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, and on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, I'm joined by Chris Walsh, the CEO of MJ Biz Daily, which if you follow this space, you must know this website. You must go there for all your cannabis business news, or at least some of your cannabis business news. I, I'm on there every day, and Pretty much everyone I know in the industry is reading MJ Biz Daily daily. <laughs> so Chris, thank you so much for being here. If you don't mind, can you tell the listeners or viewers a little more about yourself and your background? Sure. Well, thank you for that shout out. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. So I am a journalist by training and I got into business journalism uh, out of college and wrote about everything from the high tech industry. I graduated in 99. So my first year I covered technology in Colorado Springs and the whole industry collapsed. So it was a really interesting uh, kind of trial by fire experience that I'm, that I've seen play out in other industries, you know, along the way. And there are some parallels with, with cannabis uh, that, that I've been able to apply, but I started off as a journalist at, and uh, covered a lot of different industries and then uh, started earning my MBA. And basically how I got into this is I moved to South Korea and was an editor at a newspaper there, an English language newspaper over the business desk. And they were covering Hyundai and LG and you know, all these big South Korean companies. And when I left in 2009, there was really no medical marijuana industry to speak of and especially in Denver where we were based and where, where I lived. And when I came back two years later from South Korea, there were more dispensaries in Denver than Starbucks. So at that time, the two co-founders of the company were looking for someone to launch what became MJ Biz Daily, really to provide solid, objective business news and analysis for an industry that didn't have it at all. At that time, you really just had a lot of people making jokes about the industry and not taking it seriously. And you'd have occasionally when a mainstream newspaper or magazine wrote about it, you know, the headlines were filled with pot puns and, uh, you know, the writers were all trying to be clever and it was like a joke to everyone. But we saw the potential in this industry uh, and we saw the need for it to professionalize and to grow and, and, and have a business mindset uh, in some cases to do that. So then in, in 2011, in fact, today is the today being May 5th is the 10th anniversary of, of our launch. Wow. So, yeah. So it's been quite a ride and, and we morphed the business model along the way. The first things we tried didn't necessarily work. So we pivoted and, you know, eventually grew into this large media company serving the executives and entrepreneurs and investors in the industry uh, with market research and data and news and analysis. And then we also expanded into trade shows. So we have you know, our big event, MJ BizCon. And, you know, that's kind of what we've seen and how we've grown over the last 10 years. And, you know, creating this, uh, what we hope is valuable for the industry uh, to help chart their course forward and, and learn from others and case studies and, and also just understand what's going on and, 
have opportunities to meet and connect and do business. That's kind of what where, where we play. Awesome. For the record, I am a big proponent of pot puns and anything I write always has some pot puns in it. I joke that I got into the industry for the puns. And if you, if you read the cannabis business book, which is available on Amazon and audible, you'll find plenty of pot puns. Anyway, I, I wanted to ask you what surprised you most about being in this industry? I guess just the rapid evolution in acceptance in legalization and in the pure growth of the industry, there's no way I would have envisioned. In fact, when recreational marijuana legalization was first on the table in Colorado and Washington, uh, I didn't actually think it was gonna pass in either state. And I thought if it did pass, we're not gonna see an industry around it. I mean, this thing is federally illegal. There were crackdowns on medical marijuana companies, uh, particularly on the West Coast. And I couldn't envision how it was going to change this quickly. Uh, and so as, as we've seen, you know, the, the cascading number of states that have legalized medical has been phenomenal in, in 10 years. When we started, I think there were less than 10 states that had legalized. Now you have 38 in a decade. It's crazy. And it's all over the country, too. It's not just, oh, those crazy people on the West Coast. You know, it's all over. And then, and then the advent and development of the recreational marijuana industry and as quickly as it's developed has been astounding. Given where views on marijuana were, you know, just a decade ago. And so, um, and, and then the growth of the industry along the way. So that surprised me. And I think what else has surprised me is the two more things. One is that we have this growth of mature, or of mature markets that continue to grow and you have legislators and regulators who are expanding their programs. In fact, that is the story of cannabis is that these programs always expand. And so people are nervous and, and maybe in, in Illinois, the initial conditions were really tight and it was, it was uh, you know, not a great market. And you just see year after year, people become comfortable with it, both in medical and recreational. And things largely expand and the access grows. So more people can, can access it and you've got more business opportunities. And you see that over and over and over. So you're not having uh, states that, that do this and say, wow, that was a big mistake. This is terrible, right? We're going to have to, now they'll tighten restrictions and regulations in certain ways, right? For oversight and to make sure we're doing it the right way, but they're not decreasing access uh, and business opportunities. You, you see it go the other direction. And finally, I'd say the other big, the other big surprise to me is how how this became an international movement and an international industry that really caught me off guard and i try and pride myself on staying you know up to speed and in tune with the pulse of the industry and the trends and all of that but all of a sudden we turned around and you had a dozen countries very quickly that legalized medical cannabis federally now some of these are more like hemp programs but regardless these are you know, medical cannabis programs that have been legalized at the federal level in some places you'd never expect or didn't back then, really around the world. And then that's continued to accelerate where you have more than you know, two dozen countries that have legalized federally. Then you have Canada legalized federally, the recreational side and Uruguay. So that really, how this has expanded around the world, it's not just a US thing or it's not just a kind of a Canada and US thing. 
other countries are recognizing this and the value of it and they're embracing it. And actually we're falling behind on a global scale just in the sense because it's it's illegal federally. So when you look at policy, we're we're way behind other countries. But uh, so I, I would say those are my my bigger surprises along the way. I want to comment on on something that you just said about the growth that even these mature, relatively mature markets, the Colorados and Californias of the world, still saw double digit growth last year, despite the pandemic, despite everything. So to your point, this thing is only getting bigger. It's only going to keep growing for the foreseeable future, both in terms of new consumers and new markets. So I think it's an incredibly exciting time to be in this space. And I want to congratulate you and, and the team at MJ Biz for 10 years in cannabis. And I'm delighted that I get to speak with you today on the anniversary. That's really cool. I want to ask you about where we're at today after this you know, pandemic year, the cannabis being essential. And since the election, the capital markets have really been very hot. And so I want, I want to ask you kind of what you're seeing today. And then after that, I'll, I'll ask you, where are we going to be 10 years from now? Yeah, I have to say, I'm more excited about the future of the cannabis industry than I've ever been. And I'm, I'm a natural skeptic. I was a journalist, right? Those damn journalists are always uh, looking, you know, at the, at the warts on everything and they're overly cautious. Um, so I've always been conservative in my approach to where the industry is going. And uh, I, am, I am extremely excited about the future. And it's, it's not, I'm not just saying that because we're in the industry and it'll benefit us. I'm saying it because I truly believe it. You had an industry for, I, I talked about the past you know, 10 years and what we've seen. If you go back to just the last year, you had this global pandemic, the likes of which we've never seen. And you had a, basically a shutdown of the entire or big portions of the economy, which we have all never seen even close to anything like this. And is what we saw though, is that cannabis was deemed essential in many states. And out of the handful of businesses and industries that were allowed to continue to operate, cannabis was one of them. If you just step back and think of that, it's truly amazing. Uh, so I could never have predicted that 10 years ago either, that we would reach such an inflection point where that was even a consideration, let alone the norm in cannabis states. So the industry as a whole fared really well through this pandemic. There were absolutely pockets of uh, pain, whether it's certain companies, certain niches in the industry, certain parts of the country, but in general, the industry, industry held up really well. And I think this is gonna go down as, a, as one of those, when you look at the history of cannabis, this will go down as one of those milestones that during this pandemic, Cannabis was deemed essential, and we saw significant sales growth when people were scaling back on spending because they didn't know what was going to happen, and people were losing their jobs. So, you know, I think the industry is coming out of this in a really, really good place. I think companies were able to re-envision what they're doing, as every company had to do, and every leader, but they, a lot of them used this time to come up with more solid business plans and a more solid structure you know, cutting costs where they could and where they likely should have before it took a pandemic to shine the light on it. Um, also rallying around some key strategic moves and focus points. A lot of companies had broadened too far out of their core business, including us. We had some of those problems where you're chasing all these opportunities everywhere. So I think companies got better and they got stronger. 
and they got innovative too, whether it's curbside delivery or new types of infused products, or as I mentioned, just new ways of running their business. So I think the industry is stronger coming out of this in many ways. And as we look forward, you're seeing this surge in investor interest. You're seeing a surge in interest from mainstream companies, which will bring along benefits and absolutely drawbacks, depending on where you stand and what your views are. But in general, this is becoming accepted. And if you think about it, we had you know, five successful measures in the election, all five on the ballot passed, all five states uh, legalized what was in front of voters. And then you say, oh, that's great. We're going to bask in the glow of this for a while. And then what happens this year, you have three states legalized recreational, New York, you had New Mexico and you have Virginia. So this, this train keeps rolling and, and, and gathering momentum. And then you have the Democrats, regardless of your political affiliation, you have the Democrats in control of the government. And you know that bodes well for potential change at the federal level, whatever that looks like. It's, it's, and and if, regardless of whether it happens, we're in a, a window now where the potential is the strongest that, that we've seen it in our lifetime for some significant federal change. So when you put all this together, uh, I think you make a compelling case for where the industry is going. And according to our projections in our marijuana business Factbook, where we look at the industry every year and look at the sales and we, we make estimates on where it's going, in addition to a lot of other types of data information, you know, we really think that this industry could double from where it's at, where we expect it to be now, which is up to 25 billion in retail sales this year, um, to get 40 to 50 billion by 2025. So, you know, this industry uh, from a retail sales level is already way ahead of the NFL in revenue. Uh, it's actually approaching craft beer and the global opioids market, just to put this in perspective. This is becoming real to a lot of people when it wasn't in the past. There are real opportunities, there's real, real growth, there's real potential. So when you, when you look forward, there's, there's some, some very attractive markets that have not legalized or fully legalized medical, such as Texas. You have some major markets left to re legalize recreational. And then you have federal change, which will really open the door to this industry. And regardless of how this plays out, it's very difficult to predict. You know, Being in this for 10 years, we know that it's hard to figure out what's going to happen in two weeks, let alone a year or two. But um, we, we're, we're in a very good place now. So lots of growth across the industry. It won't come without pain. It won't come without challenges. It won't come without a sea shift in the industry, which I know there's a lot of trepidation out there about. But uh, this is what we see coming down the road. And everything is pretty bright now. And I, I don't want to gloss over all the challenges, but um, this is the industry to be in. Right now, I would rather be in no other industry than this one uh, for that pure growth potential and the excitement of it too. Yeah. Wow. So just to reiterate some of those points, I, I completely agree with you. Even two years ago, if you would have said, hey, New York is going to legalize the the top, the, the Senate majority leader would be pounding his chest about he's going to introduce comprehensive cannabis reform. All of these things just two years ago would have sounded funny. They would have sounded like pipe dreams. And now it's like this momentum that you mentioned, we've never been in such a positive place before. It, it really is a unique and exciting time because as we make more and more progress, it becomes 
that much more difficult to deny how how valid and how real this is. And to your point, the size of the market, if you look at the total cannabis demand, right, with the illicit market, it's one of the biggest CPG industries in the nation. And so, you know, one thing that I'm particularly interested in and excited about is seeing brands develop. If I took 10 average cannabis consumers, whatever that means, and ask them, what's the biggest cannabis product brand in the world? I would bet that they would all have different answers or say, I don't know. And and so I think it's incredibly exciting that here we are at a better place than we've ever been before. And it's still relatively early in a lot of ways. And there's still, as you said, the potential to double in the next few years. I'm curious, is there anything in particular that you really watch or or a trend that today is really interesting for you, or perhaps you feel like is underappreciated or underrated as far as the cannabis industry? Well, I'll kind of take that in pieces. I think that what I pay attention to right now is some of what you touched on. It's the emergence of brands of, of kind of CBG, CPG um, and, and seeing if companies can, can break down this barrier, you know, that has prevented them from really establishing industry-wide brands. And it's very difficult now because of the regulatory framework that differs by state. You can't ship products across state lines, everything we all know about. Um, but you had a lot of movement in that direction by companies inside the cannabis industry to do that, to ex- expand outside their home markets. They're having trouble in some cases. It's not, you, know, you may be able to build a successful brand in Colorado and you go into California and it's basically like five different industries depending on your location there. And they're each so different, um, you know, that uh, we've seen companies retreat from, from going into other markets. So it is very difficult to do. And, you know, a Pabst Blue Ribbon coming in or a, you know, Arizona iced tea or whatever, are they going to be able to figure it out? I don't know. Uh, but I, so I'm, I'm watching to see how this happens. Same with chains on the retail side. There's good and bad to that. There's lots of opportunity for businesses if you can develop a chain. But, you know, do we want this to be to be full of McDonald's and, and Starbucks, um, which don't exist in this industry yet? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we want opportunities for a lot of people, but there will absolutely be dominant brands across the industry. So I think it's fascinating to see how this is all going to play out. Um, one of the things that, you know, I really think deserves a lot of attention is um, this kind of conflict that, that has been going on for several years, at least, that we're seeing more of. And it's kind of the, the people who built the industry, uh, you know, over the past decade, longer in a lot of cases, um, maybe even the last five or six years, a lot of people didn't come from kind of corporate backgrounds or with a business first mentality. And what you're seeing now is that's changing. And a lot of the people getting in now over the past couple of years, especially are getting in it because of the reasons people get into a lot of industries, right? They see dollar signs and they have this experience and they're again, business first. And so there's this kind of culture clash going on and exas- it's, get, it's, it's, it's exacerbating every day. Uh, and I think there are ways that, that the cannabis community in the industry and the cannabis entrepreneurs who put cannabis first uh, can work with and support and get support from the mainstream entrepreneurs, professionals, investors who put business first. But it's not easy and it's not happening in, in a lot of cases. And so um, another area where I'm 
you know, highly interested in watching develop is how is this going to work? Does this industry just get overwhelmed in the coming years by uh, Wall Street, by, you know, giant CPG companies, um, by giant ag companies, you know, whatever it is in every sliver of the industry. Uh, and I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I think there are benefits to these companies coming in, as I said, but uh, I, I'm almost already looking wistfully back at the industry because I think we're gonna see an immense amount of change and we already have. And, um, you know, again, some of it's good, some of it isn't, but uh, you know, how this story plays out, we don't know. And I'm, I'm really hoping that the industry and those of us in it can find a way to make room for both. And I don't think it's one or the other, right? It's not like we're gonna keep all these big people out and this is our industry. That's not gonna work and it's not gonna be helpful to anyone. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if we turn around in five years and, you know, 80% of the revenues are being generated by five companies, that's not going to be good. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, and, and the problem now is that the, the piecemeal approach by every state to regulate the industry and how it developed, I think there will be room for mom and pops in a lot of cases because that's how their regulations are structured. And some new ones are even paying attention to small businesses like New York looks pretty interesting for a model where they're taking into account a lot of different aspects. Uh, you have others like Florida that's like, hey, you only get a couple license and you know the market's all yours to those who get them. So um, I think naturally, just because every state has done this so differently, there will there, it will be a mix depending on what, what state or region you're in. Uh, but my hope is that this isn't just dominated by Fortune 500 companies in the next five or 10 years and that we do get opportunities for the the types of people who started this industry, you know, you don't have a lot of capital. Maybe you don't have the most business experience. Um, you know, maybe you're from a different background completely. And I think, you know, keeping this, this connection with cannabis, keeping the alive, the dreams of, of smaller potential business owners uh, is very important. And, and I fear that's, that's going away quickly. I completely agree with everything you just expressed. And to me, it's like this, this culture clash you mentioned, it's the battle between the hippies and the suits. And uh, I always joke that I've kind of been the hybrid and that's why I've been able to, to have any kind of impact and success in the space. And, and in fact, my whole book is all really about, Hey, cannabis people, you need to know business to succeed here. And hey, business people, you need to know cannabis to succeed here. And if you want to build anything substantial in this space, you need both skill sets. You can't do it with just one, especially considering how the industry has been changing, especially what you said the last few years, the institutional money is no longer on the sidelines. They've dipped more than a toe in. The, the world's largest mutual funds, big tobacco, big alcohol, they're all in the mix and so that trend is not going to change anytime soon, especially if we see a federal shift where banking opens up or, or 280E goes away or any of this stuff. It's only going to become more corporate. Now, I think what the corporate folks need to understand is cannabis is still the heart of this thing. And if you don't understand cannabis, if you don't really appreciate and respect the plant, you're putting yourself at a business disadvantage. And it's, it's mind blowing to me how many people come into the space and they think, oh, I know business, I, I have capital, cannabis, whatever, any, 
it's the same as any other widget or, or whatnot. And I think that that attitude is completely misguided. I hope that the two parties play nicely. And I think, I think they will have to for the industry to succeed. I agree with you completely. I think that uh, one of the biggest pieces of advice I've given to potential new entrants from the mainstream in recent years is you cannot come into this industry and think you know everything based on your prior success or your experience. You can't say, I built three companies in three different industries and I sold them for millions. I know what I'm doing. Or we make, we make beverages and we've got a national brand and people love us. I can replicate this in cannabis. I'll figure it out with my team. I've seen people, I've seen companies and individuals fail quickly with that mentality. And it's not only just entrepreneurs or executives. This is anyone coming into the industry. Um, so we've hired a lot from outside the industry in recent years as we've expanded. And, you know, I always tell even new hires, like, hey, I understand, you know, whatever, advertising or technology, whatever, but you have to, you have to understand this industry and understand our company and then, and then figure it out and adapt because the industry won't adapt for you. <laughs> so if you're a salesperson coming in with uh, some ego and saying, hey, I can sell to anyone. Uh, and you come in throwing around sales jargon and MBA, MBA jargon, you know, people are, are going to do business with you. They say, who the heck are you? Get, get away from me. This is annoying. And I don't trust you. So um, I agree in lots of ways. The two sides really have to work together and that's going to benefit the industry as a whole. Um, but there are challenges in doing that for sure. Yeah. And I, I want to go back for a moment to the brand conversation because there's this there's this chart that I'm going to share my screen so the folks can see which is from MJ Biz Daily and I just love this because it it really puts in perspective how important and powerful branding is and as you can see here in the edibles and beverage categories the top two or three brands get anywhere from half the market or more. So they brands really dominate in, in some, in, in this space. And I think that that's why everyone wants to build the big brand. And I love this chart. So I had to work it in here. Thank, no, thanks for sharing that. I love this one too, um, because it, it, this is also encapsulates how the industry has changed. You know, a couple of years ago, there wasn't hugely dominant share of any one brand. And this, this chart would have looked completely different a couple of years ago. And maybe, maybe the top three brands would have 15% of the market. Um, so this has been an evolution, a very quick one. Uh, and you can look at this too and say, I don't see any overlap. You know, the top edibles brand in California is not the top one in California. It's not the top one in Washington. So that gets, goes back to what we're saying is, you know, on a larger scale outside one market, companies are, haven't been able to replicate this uh, in large part, as they have in their home market. So that's what may or may not change as, as we go forward. One thing that I think is really unique and cool about this industry is that because of all the restrictions, because of all the difficulties, it really is a meritocracy in a, in a way where you can't just buy your way to success in this industry. You really have to earn it. You really have to create something that resonates with consumers or with a community and you have to actually be good because to to your point I've seen so many businesses come in and 
and try to brand their way to success or spend their way to success. And within a year, they're out of business. And so one thing I really love about this industry is you really have to provide value to succeed because it's so competitive and so challenging that you can't really fake your way to success here. And that's going to become a more important factor to success going forward. You're absolutely right. You know, it's not like the early days where, you know, hey, you open your doors or you have some type of, you know, marijuana edible that looks semi-professional and like it wasn't made in your, your oven at home. And people are going to buy them because there's nothing else and it's a novelty, right? Those days are gone. And in new markets, they, they're there at first, but they go away quickly um, because the industry has changed, the consumer base has changed. And so, yeah, I think it's going to take even more competitive focus and an even bigger differentiator going forward than just simply saying, I got a license or I have a product and you know I'm going to do well. You're going to have to be much more in tune with the consumer base. And as everything changes quickly in our world now, but also with patient or consumer preferences, you have to stay on top of that too. Because what the, the types of things that resonated three years ago may no longer resonate or may, may no longer be preferred by consumers in a very short period of time. Right, right, right. So Chris, I want to shift gears and ask you about MJ BizCon, which is coming back this year after a pandemic, uh, you know, postponement, we'll say. And I'm curious, what, what are you guys expecting? You know, how, has there been excitement? Has there been, you know, are you expecting another huge show? Because I remember the one, I guess it must have been 2019, you know, was huge. And it's been just getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Uh, I'm curious what the expectation is for this year, because from what I've heard, folks are really excited to get back together. And so I'm just curious how how that's going. Yeah, we really had no idea of of what was going to happen after the pandemic as we came out of it. And were people going to even want to travel? Would there be excitement? Are they going to just say I had conference fatigue because there's a million of them and I'm kind of done with that, or I found a new way to market my products. I don't need to be a part of this, or I found a new way to network or meet business leads or whatever. Uh, what I can say definitively <laughs> is that while lots has changed, the need for people to get together in person has not. And I think we all realize that, right? You can only do so much sitting at your computer all day on Zoom. And I think people are sick of that. And there are some benefits, absolutely, that will stay with us uh, as a society uh, going forward. But the one thing we hear over and over as we've been planning MJ BizCon is, God, I got to be there. I got to be around people again. And maybe it's because, you know what? I relied on events and MJ BizCon as my main marketing tool every year. We invest a lot of money and that went away. So we've had trouble marketing. There's that. There's people who say, I can't meet the right connections and I always run into the right people or meet the, I get to talk to speakers after. There's, you know, there's education. There's some people who just want to party, right? They just want to get there and party in a cannabis friendly environment with other people in the industry. So there's a lot of reasons people come, but whatever they are, they're amplified this year. And I think um, people, I heard from many people who said, you know, I get these reminders on Instagram or Facebook from a year ago. And in December, I started getting the ones of pictures of me with people at MJ BizCon or pictures that I took. And there was like a, almost a sadness. And I think, you know, I'm not trying to toot our own horn too much, but we've put a lot of money and time into this event to make it truly meaningful for the industry. And I think, um, it, I think it has become for many reasons. 
a lot of what we did and a lot of what we didn't, just the natural organic things that happen around it. So, um, you know, I, I think people are excited. We're, we're launching registration soon. All indications are that this, you know, people are gonna come back in droves. Sure, there'll be people who don't wanna travel or not send as many people uh, or different people to the event, but um, it seems to be uh, on everyone's radar. People seem very excited. You know, our, our sales of our show floor are, are doing really well. You know, these companies want to get out there, right? And get, front of, get in front of customers. So that makes sense. Uh, so we're really excited for it. And, you know, the pandemic, it was brutal for us uh, and our business model. Even though the, the cannabis industry held up well, you know, we experienced a lot of pain. So, you know, we're excited. We're putting a lot of resources into making this triumphant return and making it valuable for everyone. And, uh, I mean, I can't, I, I'm, I'm like giddy. I just want to be around the industry again, right? And feel that energy and that hopefulness about, and, 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 and the success, absorb the success that people are having in this, right? It's remarkable. Right, right. And uh, I will, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but I don't really like going to Las Vegas for a number <laughs> of reasons. You know, it's just, it's a long flight from New York. It's, it's a pain, you know, but I can't imagine not going to MJ BizCon this year, especially given that for me, it's always been a great place to go and everyone's there. All my friends from different states, everyone's there. And especially this year, I feel like there's so much to celebrate for cannabis to, to go see people and actually be around them. And yeah, I, I for one, am, am pretty jazzed. I'll ask you, even though it might be redundant at this point, but what are you most excited about for the industry these days? I'm most excited about the increased focus on running a solid business, right? No matter what you're doing. And I'm seeing it all over that you have to do that these days, right? But people are getting smarter and they're learning and they're applying it. And I'm excited to see where all these stories go and, and have companies and entrepreneurs, um, you know, go way beyond their initial dreams and, and hopes and, 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 and grow as people and learning all the challenges of this. I mean, these are, these are resilient people. These are good business people now. Matt, look at all you have to deal with. Other industries seem like cake after this, right? So everyone's getting stronger. And I just, I, I, I love hearing these stories about pe how people have had to pivot or they learn lessons or they through the school of hard knocks. And they're really, they're really developing skills that they didn't have before. And you could say that in a lot of businesses, but Again, a lot of the people who have been in this industry for a couple of years didn't have never started a company or led one um, uh, or grown one or scaled one to the, to the level they are now. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited for the opportunity everyone has, right? And, and I think beyond that, it's really, let's see where we can take this thing. Let's, let's, let's get some federal change, some, meaningly, some, some meaningful fed, federal change. Let's get some larger brands and make sure there's room. I want those mom and pops still in there, but... Um, let's continue to normalize this industry um, and, and expand the number of people who are benefiting from it, whether it's a patient or a consumer. And, uh, but then let's keep that special part of it, you know, that's different, that is not like making computer chips or whatever you want to, you know, compare it to. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for the potential and the growth. Now I am, I'm, there are worries too and concerns, as, as some of which we've discussed. And uh, so but, you know, especially after the last year, 99% of my thoughts on the future of this industry and our business and other people's business are positive. Awesome. So 
I'm curious, what advice do you have for new entrants, whether they're entrepreneurs, investors, or even employees that are getting into cannabis? I'll give it the caveat besides reading MJ Biz Daily <laughs> and going to MJ BizCon, which I'm going to recommend. You need to do that if you want to be in this industry and, and succeed. But I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, Chris. I shy away from promoting our own company. So no problems there. I think the bigger picture though is, is do your due diligence, like learn about the industry. And, and I don't care if it's through us or through whoever, like understand the industry because it's not what you think it is. It's, it's much more difficult than you think it is. And it has many more layers than you think it has, right? And just when you feel, hey, I know all about this thing. Maybe it's like, I know how it works. I understand Colorado market. Oh yeah, do you understand Michigan and how it developed in Illinois and Florida and you know Rhode Island? I mean, it's hard. It takes a long time to learn it. So you don't have to learn every aspect of the industry, but, but take some time and really understand and you to understand kind of where it is today, where where it's going, and how your job or your role fits into that, you know, you do have to understand a little bit of the evolution of the industry, because if you walked into it and say start from right now, um, you're going to miss the reasons it's this way, and the reasons it operates this way, and the reasons you have to do things to be successful at your job, without understanding the why behind it, you know, you're never going to truly succeed. So again, if, if we can boil this down to if you're coming from another industry at any level job and you say, well, this is silly. Why do you guys do it this way? Or why does the industry do it this way? I want to do it this way. Maybe your way is better. Chances are it's been tried and it's not. So again, learn the why. Why are things done this way in this industry or at this company? And then build your path forward once you have that foundation and that knowledge. And without doing that, um, that's where I see stumbles all over the place. And, and if that, the longer that learning curve takes, and the learning curve is really understand the industry and, and then adapt to that. And then bring in your skill set. Don't start with your skill set and say, everyone's going to adapt to this because it won't work. It just won't. Yeah. Uh, do it the other way around, no matter if you're a, you know, at the, the lowest level employee with no experience uh, or whether you're an executive. Uh, you know, it's going to benefit you. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I have a whole chapter in my book that's the most common mistakes cannabis entrepreneurs make. And number Hubris. one, <laughs> yeah, I, number one in my, in my book anyway, is uh, not doing enough research and not being prepared, not knowing what they're getting themselves into. And, and to your point, I, it's funny, I actually warned a whole group of people about this yesterday in a presentation, which was, I said, listen, if you don't understand that this is an industry that was born from a social movement, and if you don't understand the legacy and the culture and kind of what got us here, then you're inherently going to be limited because all of those folks who were a part of that are not really going to be keen on supporting you or working with you if you don't if you didn't care enough to, to do your homework and to, to think about how do you honor that history and, and how does that play into the DNA of this industry? So I, I think it's critically important to really understand not only the history of the plant, but more so the history of the community and the culture that created this industry. So please do your research, folks. 
anyway, with that said, uh, now now that I'm off my pulpit, I want to I want to <laughs> shift gears, Chris, and do a, a quick bit of coaching. So I want to ask you, what is your biggest business buzzkill or challenge these days? Yeah, I think it goes back to some of what we were talking about. It's really after you build a successful company and the industry and your base changes, how do you keep up with that change? How do you identify um, the, the new needs and wants? You know, so, so for us, we've, we've built MJ Biz Daily. As you mentioned, I think a lot of people turn to it or rely on it, or at least scan the headlines. Uh, we have our, our market research, we have our conference, which has a lot of buzz around it, has been growing by leaps and bounds. But really, how do you avoid resting on your laurels and, and identifying how things are changing? You mentioned before, um, oh, I, you got to the point where you were like, ah, I've been to all these trade shows, right? I'm fatigued. They all kind of start feeling the same. Uh, I don't know what benefit I'm getting anymore. So for me, the biggest challenge and what keeps me up at night is how do we make sure that we don't go in that direction, right? Because you've been successful. And so part of you can say, well, I should keep doing what I've been doing, right? This is successful. And then why, why change it? And then the other half, which is a leader you know, is that if you don't change, you're going to be left in the dust. So it's, it's really that balance and then making sure, you know, you're really figuring out what you're client base, what your audience, however you define it, needs going forward. Uh, and so that's what we're spending a lot of time doing. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm hearing a couple of different things there, but the the crux of it, if I'm hearing correctly, is it's a combination of how do you keep your foot on the gas when you're successful? And also, how do you skate to where the puck is going? How do you keep raising the bar? How do you set the highest possible standard? That's a very deep, general, broad question. Well, first of all, am I, am I hearing you correctly and kind of getting it? And then secondly, is there like a maybe a specific instance of this that has come up for you recently? Well, I mean, in general, I can use MJ BizCon as an example. Like, I think we get a lot of traction and continue to grow every year. Um, but we continually hear from some people who are saying, you know, I go and I don't, I don't go to the show, I go to the parties because I can, or, or I can have meetings over here. Um, and the vast majority of people go, right? Um, but, you know, so that, so when we look at this, we say, how do we make this more valuable to that group? So we're not, people just aren't coming to Vegas and saying, hey, I can get everything done here, but I don't need to go to the actual show or, or do anything with it. Um, so that's one of the things, you know, that, that you know, a more specific example. So we, we have to stay on top of our game. And if they're not coming, then we're not providing enough value, right? It's not them. It's not them, their problem, right? It's our problem to say, how do we, how do we get you into the fold? Oh, that's, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I, I have been one of those people. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh Oh, where, where. Uh you know, but, but the caveat that I'll give you is that I think I would venture to guess that I'm in the minority there. Who's the audience that you're serving? Because at some point it's like, you, you can't be everything to everyone and you can't make everyone happy and you can't give everyone everything on a silver platter. So my question would be like, who's the most important audience that you're maximizing their value? And, and, uh, you know, kind of thinking about, are there priorities there? Because maybe it's not that important for you to, to 
to have me walk the floor when in any case, you know, I'm going there, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the event, I'm seeing people, I'm getting value out of it anyway. I, I understand though, as a business, you want to capture some of that value that you're providing to, to the deadbeats and stragglers like me. If it goes too far in that direction, we don't have a business and there is, is no show, right? Or the worst case scenario. So we're not really worried about that, but as we try and stay on top of our game, as you mentioned before, and honestly, it boils. Yes, there are business reasons. Of course, we want people to come for those reasons. But you know, when you when you when you really drill down, is we want to be able to serve the industry effectively, right? So if if you have people that aren't finding that value, it's up to us to create it. To your point, there are segments where it's like, sure, get it. There's always going to be some of that, um, and maybe that particular type of person isn't the most important for the overall value we're trying to provide. Not that anyone's not important. We want everyone to come, of course. But um, you know, I mean, we we're, we're as we go through this, it's like, well, should we should we be capturing those people, or maybe not? You know, should this be a gathering of decision makers, right? And so they're of the utmost value to the people on this show floor, for people who want to do business. Um, uh, you know, or do you broaden that? And should this just be the industry gathering where I don't care if you're a bud tender? or a CEO or a CFO, whatever, you got to go, right? Because there's going to be something for everyone. And you can't do it something for everyone. But these are just kind of the business things that we, we are talking about and have been for years. But, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, as things change, we're trying to identify if there are shifts in what we should be doing or, or the behaviors or wants and needs of our target audiences. This is like a classic example of operating in cannabis where exactly what you said earlier, the, the landscape changes quickly. And so even if you are on top and, and I'm, I'm willing to say, and I think most people would agree with me that if you go to one trade show in cannabis all year, it probably ought to be MJ BizCon. Like I, I feel pretty confident saying that. And I, I've, I think I haven't been to all of them, but I've been enough where, where I know that I, I think everyone knows, I think the reputation is that that's the biggest show and that you want to be there, whether, you know, to kind of, like you said, whether you're a bud tender or an executive or an investor personally, I think, and, and maybe I'm simplifying and this is just my opinion and what do I know, but I think there is something for everyone there because if everyone's there, there's something for everyone. At some point, it's kind of like the onus is on the attendee to, to make it valuable for themselves in a way. But here we have an example of a market leader. You're still kind of wondering that, that, that healthy paranoia of, you know, are we doing this the right way? How could we do it better? You know, are people going to be satisfied? Are we missing opportunities? And, and so on and so forth. And I think that that's, I'm willing to guess that some of that perspective or approach is why MJ BizCon is the market leader. I know that may not be helpful. I'm not really giving you any answers here. You brought a really big question, which I certainly appreciate. Those are my favorite kinds. I'm going to turn it over to you and ask you, is there anything in our conversation that maybe sparked a new idea or affirmed something for you or, or made you think of this thing in, in a different way? Yeah, I mean, I think just kind of reemphasizing that, uh, look, you can't be everything to everyone. And I think as business leaders, we all go through that, you know, whether you run a, a rec store or develop products, it's like, oh, well, 
I need, you know, I need to get every person that sees me, I have to have something for them. Right. So you got to pick, you got to pick your focus areas. And that goes back to like understanding our audience too, and saying, what, what, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to be everything for everyone? And if so, you know, how are you doing that? If you're not, then you have to be comfortable with um, saying, okay, that's a segment that I'm fine. Maybe they get some side benefits or, or, or whatever it is. Um, so no, that, that kind of resurfaces that part of the thought process and that it's okay. Like, right. You're never going to, to, uh, to offer something that fits everyone's needs, no matter what company you are or what line of business you're in. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that's, that's a good, a good healthy reminder of, you know, really focusing on that end too. So let me ask you this, um, to kind of bring it home, which is what is, uh, I'll ask it in two ways. What is really the core or, or the heart of the offering? Uh, and, and kind of the, the second way I'll ask it is what, what is MJ BizCon the best at? Like, what is your, what, yeah, what, what is, what do you want to be known for? I guess what's, it's almost like, what's the, what's the measure of success in a way? And I know, of course, you know, revenue, whatever is like the easy answer, but you know, like, what is this show the best for? Yeah. I mean, and there, there are, you know, various things that I would say to that, but in general, we really want this to be the show that you have to attend each year. And then, and then, you know, under that umbrella, which is a big umbrella, right? But again, maybe it is because you were, you're able to find investment money or you're an investor and you're able to meet with and see other companies that you might want to pump money into. Maybe it's that you, for you, your need is, is getting in front of potential clients and getting sales leads, right? And you want that big booth and you want all this traffic around you, or maybe you're just trying to learn about the industry or learn how to do your business better. So the education component, and you have to have right and good topics that resonate with with people uh or or maybe it's just the you know kind of surreptitious uh run-ins you have with people that end up becoming a business partner or a key connection uh or again maybe it is the parties right i i, I certainly get it and uh, i've been to many trade shows inside and outside of cannabis and for some people that's it's the social element right so that's really what we want to do. And I know that's broad and, and anyone running a, an event could say that, but I think that's what we've created. And that's what we want to make sure we maintain going forward is that this is the thing you have to go to. Uh, and then you can insert your reason below that. But, you know, this, it, it's, it's almost like not even a question that you, you've got to go to this because you're going to get a lot done, right? And there's going to be a lot of benefits for, for you by attending or being in Vegas. Uh, well, for me, it's like being in Vegas is the cost that I'm willing to bear for <laughs> all the benefits of, of being at MJ BizCon. <laughs> yeah. Chris, before I let you go, any parting words or final messages that you'd like to share with our audience? Just uh, good luck out there. I think we're in for quite a ride in the coming months and years. And I think, you know, let's try and build the industry we want and not just succumb to any outside forces. So whether it's, you know, uh, an industry that has opportunities for everyone, you know, uh, whether it's your, your experience or your access to capital or your background, your race, your gender, whatever, let's, you know, let's do something different with this industry. Let's, let's practice what we preach, right? And employ it at your own companies and with the, your own approach to business. 
And that's really the way that we can do this. Um, it's great to see bigger organizations or a bigger focus on some of this stuff or social equity programs or whatever it is. But the only way it's going to really seep into the across the industry is if we all kind of do that in our day to day, you know, running companies, working in companies, whatever it may be. Um, so that would be it. And I would just say, you know, I'm, I touch on this is a, obviously a great show. Um, I, I also start a podcast, Seed to CEO, where we talk we were primarily for new entrants about how you can make your way in this. And I think, you know, go back, back to what you said, do your due diligence, whatever that means, you know, make sure you understand this industry. And uh, I, 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 that goes along with my hubris comment, because I think what leads to the, the lack of research by some people or understanding the industry is because they think they know it all or can figure it out quickly or don't need to know it. So I think the two go hand in hand. So I would further emphasize those two. You got you to do that to be successful. Absolutely. I love that. And I'll just chime in that I've been studying this space actively for seven years. And the more I learn, the more I've realized there is to learn. And like my least favorite words are cannabis expert. Whenever anyone says that, I'm like, oh, God, because, you know, I've realized just how much there is about this plant and this industry. And, you know, there's constantly new information and whether it's new regulations, new discoveries, you know, new research, it's it's impossible to know it all. If you meet anyone who tells you they know it all about cannabis, run like run, <laughs> run, run, run. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much for your time and for, for joining me on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I, I will look forward to seeing you at MJ BizCon. I'm going <laughs> to buy my ticket. I'll be out there despite my, my uh, newfound pandemic social anxiety. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, suck it up and, and go be there because everyone's going to be there. How could I not be there? It would be silly. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The cannabis business coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The cannabis business coach.